This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Great show today. Very excited. Harmar superstar Sean Tillman will join me in just a little bit, as will Megan Ryan, our new baseball writer at the Star Tribune. But first, what did I miss? Well, no real live action on Thursday night, which means no pain of losing at the very least as opposed to Wednesday. But interesting story here I want to get to just for a minute involving the sale, potential sale of the Timberwolves. Kevin Garnett says he was part of a group um, for a while that was trying to buy the team from the from Glenn Taylor, uh, owner of the Timberwolves, also owner of the Star Tribune. You know, Glenn Taylor last summer started to explore a sale of the team. Well, KG said on Instagram that his group is is out, basically. They're, we, they're trying to acquire the Wolves. It's over for me. Uh, Glenn Taylor says, yeah, uh, tells our, our, our Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, yeah, you, uh, you never were part of any group. He never called me about that at all, ever. Uh, Taylor quoted as saying, I was kind of surprised that he didn't. This is a very strange story, um, kind of a, uh, you can't fire me because I quit kind of thing to it. Uh, mostly it probably just underscores the tensions that exist still between the sides here and that KG doesn't really have a lot of a uh, lot of love for this organization as a whole right now which is unfortunate because I think what it also means in addition to the fact that he won't be part of any ownership group unless something you know changes in the in the near term is that his number 21 his jersey also probably won't be retired by the Wolves anytime soon even though by merit it absolutely should be I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. This is ostensibly a sports podcast, but I believe we broke the mold a little bit a couple weeks ago when Craig Finn from the Hold Steady joined uh, Daily Delivery. Today, Harmar superstar Sean Tillman uh, on, on the podcast. Um, excited. He's got a new, some new music coming out Friday, a digital release of that, and then the, the physical copy of, of that will come out uh, a couple months later. But uh, Sean, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm here. I'm excited to to do. I do anything Craig does, so I'm here just to follow <laughs> well, in the footsteps. Some of those song lyrics of Craig's uh, would suggest that maybe you shouldn't do everything Craig does. Yeah, to, or I, maybe you know. some of them are based on me. Who knows? He's got a very know. active we, imagination. I'm sure his parents we, must say. But we've um, known each other long enough. Where I, we used to share a practice space when I was in high school. Lifter puller and Kelvin Crime. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because I. <laughs> I'm sure because I've I've seen I've seen those shows I've seen the 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 joint the joint shows those are the days were taking me uh, taking me back to uh, my early twenties um, but we don't need to daydream on that too much <laughs> um, first of all t- tell me about uh, tell me about the new the new music because I'm I'm liking it and you know direction wise how do you feel like you're you're evolving with with this new sound well I think the freedom of of what Harmar Superstar has become is that like uh, basically. 
I can go kind of any musical direction I feel like, and people are, are down to take the ride with me. It's not like I take a huge departure. You can always tell it's me, but uh, you know, with the bye by 17, I went kind of like down a soul road and then best summer ever was more of a greatest hits from a bunch of different eras that I made up. And then this new one, Roseville is kind of more like seventies AM gold kind of, Todd Rundgren, Carol King, Meatloaf, Elton John, all the all that stuff that's like kind of seeped into my brain for my first, you know, five years of my life from 1978 onward. You know, I kind of uh, I think I just grew up with that stuff being omnipresent in my in my head. And now it's it's as a 43 year old man, I'm I'm starting to uh, fulfill the prophecy, you know. I like that. I like. I like that you're. I like that you're. That you just make music that you want to make, or that you you let the you know kind of let it come to you, and just you know if if you want to go in a different direction, you you do that because obviously you know when I was watching more of you know the Harmar shows earlier on, it was you know you're running around in your underwear telling people to buy your records, and that's yeah. that's not who you are now. I I don't think, yeah. but it, it's you know, but but you've allowed yourself to evolve whichever way you want. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's just a less modest form of what I'm doing now, but I, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm more, uh, yeah, there's more honesty, but there's still a sense of humor, but it's not, um, the crutch that I lean on as much. It's more just like, it's a good time. And I want people to relate and, you know, that's, you know, it's just, it's just music I want to hear that I'm making for other people to, to hear as well. You have a unique brand, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, or how, you know how conscious you are of it. But you know how how have you kind of been able to live in this space and you know just be kind of be yourself when so many different I think artists feel like they have to have to kind of conform or have to kind of live up to a certain you know stereotype of of what kind of music they're going to make or how they're going to to act and be. Uh, I think I feel like you you are very authentic while also having a very unique brand. Well, I think honestly, I'm lucky that I didn't have like a hit record early on in my life. I think a lot of people come out the gate and get a lot of attention for one style of music that they're making. And then people expect that of them the second time. So this isn't like a woe is me thing. It's like, I feel lucky to have a career that's kind of been even keeled and steadily building since I was, you know, a kid basically. So um, sometimes that too much success comes around to, to, to bite you a little bit. And, uh, and I just sort of never had that. So the expectation was never there. And by the people, by the time people caught on to what I was doing, uh, I just, it was kind of more of a mold that I'd made for myself that it's going to be kind of a, uh, you know, a album to album kind of vibe situation. And I think people are, are cool with that. And I think, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm lucky in that way to, to have that kind of freedom to do that. You have a lot of energy as a live show performer. Um, how difficult has it been for you in particular during this last year when that's largely been not a, an option as we kind of deal through COVID-19, hopefully getting to a place, you know, eventually maybe sooner rather than later where that's possible again, but for you in particular, how difficult has it been not to be able to perform the same way you, you are used to? Um, for me, it's it, financially, it was really hard at first, just trying to figure out what to do because touring was uh, definitely my main form of income for many, many years. And, you know, it wasn't like it, it, it just is just how I, I know how to make a living. And sometimes, you know, it's not always a slam dunk. It's always sometimes it's like, you know, I'll go out and everybody else will get paid and I'll come back with 40 bucks. Sometimes it'll go really well. Um, but for me, that, you know, not 
not being able to just go play a show whenever I felt like was incredibly awkward because I've been doing that since I was 13. And this is definitely the longest break I've had in between shows since I was 13. And it was three months into this. So um, uh, the money thing was hard to, to, to navigate it. And, um, but I felt, I don't feel like I'm missing out not playing shows right now because I've played so many and I've gotten to express myself in so many ways. I feel like it's more of a reset to like appreciate when we go back. I really feel bad for um, younger artists like Gully Boys and Nerdy and younger Minneapolis or any anywhere anywhere bands that like were about to have their their first tours or big breaks and stuff. And and so I'm just hoping everybody who was kind of at that point is still holding on and, and ready to keep resume like where they were at when when things get back to whatever normal is. And I'm not going to go back till it, till it feels. Com- hundred percent safe because yeah. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the first show back when everyone's like yeah I I guess we can be here but this right. still feels kind of weird you know you don't want to be fun police out there he's <laughs> no hundred percent glad you reference I'm glad you reference Gully Boys too because I saw them a few years ago kind of out of nowhere when I think they played a, a show at the Ice House and I just like happened to have a, a free night and I was like well, let's go check this out they were they're they're great I love their sound. They're awesome. Yeah. I just, I, it, it's, in, it's inspiring watching people like just have like be really good. Number one, just out the gate. And second, just be having like the most fun and like, you know, kind of, it's one of those things after like 25 years of being inside kind of whatever the music industry is like uh, you, you lose kind of just like the fun and brother or sisterhood of things. And, uh, and, and the reason you kind of started and, and watching, watching them definitely brings that like spark back to me. Like, oh yeah, this is just for fun, really. So it, it, to, not just to pass the time, but to also kind of supplement what you do, you have been carrying the mail, literally. Yeah. Um, this is the daily delivery podcast. So I feel like, that's like there's a <laughs> certain amount of synergy there. Uh, no, yes. no pun intended, but tell me about being a postal carrier for a while now. Yeah, I've been working at USPS for over four months now. Um, so uh, it's it's been like completely eye-opening and awesome. It's a hardcore job. It's not easy. I'm not going to say it's been like 100% like sweet strawberry cream or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's hard. It's like, especially the first year you're an assistant and you just sort of have to pick up the slack of everything with like the other assistants. There's some camaraderie there and a little bit of a support group, but, uh, but yeah, you're, you know, we're working like average 10, 12 hour days, if not more sometimes and six days a week. And it's just a totally eye-opening, like crazy experience. I would have never gotten to have if I hadn't like kind of looked into my future a little bit and been like, well, what if unemployment does just stop? I don't know. I, I'm really, I really like the experience. Uh, I just have to make it through this first year till you kind of convert into more of a, a sane schedule. It doesn't stay like that. It's not like, you know, some like, it's not like anyone's trying to like haze you or anything. It just sort of like ends up kind of working like that. But um if it all works out by this time next year, I'll, I'll hopefully just keep the job and be able to tour a couple months a year. And you walk just an amazing amount during, yeah. during a I get shift, 30, right? 30,000 steps a day when I'm out there, at least that's, that's, that's probably average. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully when, when everything resumes, you'll still have an opportunity to, I th- feel like you are one of the, you know, one of the best local, as we, as we relate to sports, one of the best local, you know, halftime pregame 
show uh, entertainers. Walk me through kind of your your performance history with the Twins, the Timberwolves. Do you have a favorite, um, you know, a favorite thing that you've done in that in that space, uh, you know, through the years? I'm lucky enough to be in 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 like kind of the the small pool of people they ask to sing the anthem sometimes at Twins and Saints games, and I've had a lot of fun. Uh, over with the Saints doing like, you know, singing um, the Mary Milo, I'm sorry, Mary Tyler Moore theme on opening day, throwing up the berets that they gave the entire audience, like um, with Saints logos on them. Um, just uh, one time I was uh, asked to come perform and then it turned out to be um, Saturday Night Live theme night at the Saints uh, Stadium. That's, that's uh, what is it? Um, CHS Field? CHS, I was about to say CSH. CHS Field and uh, the other special guest turned out to be Joe Piscopo. So, uh, you know, he was hanging out um, <laughs> honoring Saturday Night Live and we had a big uh, pillow fight, which is now in retrospect kind of embarrassing because it was all my pillows. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, Piscopo wanted to perform with me. So we, I had to round up my friend Ben of Askew to play drums. He really wanted to play Pink Cadillac. So, um, so I played bass, Ben of Askew played drums and we, we backed up Joe Piscopo on guitar and vocals. <laughs> For Pink Cadillac? Played play Pink Cadillac. That, I'm just I mean, I'm trying to picture this. It's not I mean, working terribly well, but it sounds, no. it sounds amazing. The photos are hilarious and you know jersey joe definitely wants to represent like the weirdest maybe maybe not my favorite bruce springsteen song <laughs> but it's okay it's okay i felt good backing up joe who felt very confident singing that song so so that's fun but i think my greatest uh sports moment in minneapolis probably um was my timberwolves halftime show last yeah. january that was probably one of the last that might have been the last show i played in town oh besides a heartbones show but that was epic. Um, I had uh, Chadwick from Timberwolves contact me, and uh, I don't think he actually. I think he's he's moved to a different organization now. But um, uh, kind of just like was like, let's go big. I want you to do this halftime show, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I just sort of like said yes to everything he offered, which was like you know the Timberwolves dancers, and then like even the, the little kid dancers, the pups, and. Uh, and just like having crunch push me around on a, a couch and you know what I mean? Just everything. You can still go find my halftime performance. And I'm insanely proud of it. And I feel like that'll be a great resume builder for someday when they run out of people to play the half, the, the, the Super Bowl halftime. I should, yeah. I should be, a, I should be just like right up there at the front of the line. Harmar for <laughs> halftime show I, for Super Bowl halftime. I would, I would watch that. I mean, you know, we saw, I thought the weekend was okay for, for the halftime show, but I would watch you um, 10 yeah, out of 10. I, you know, I think he sounded great. That's a really hard situation to sing live and actually sound really good. And he did. And I think we should be given some props for that. Also for the fact that he kept it pretty weird. If you think about it, there's like yeah. Ascension and weird, like devil eyes and those like jock mask, jock yeah. strap mask guys. I really enjoyed. And <laughs> right it was you know. the whole like walking through the maze you had the whole like you know the mirrors and it was like it was made for good uh twitter memes at the very least definitely uh, i mean you can't you can't top the prince one obviously no. that's just like legendary but i mean if you think back upon like black eyed peas and stuff like that where you're like this is just you know 
I'm a black eyed piece apologist. So you're going to, hey, that's fine. You're going to run into some uh, people just killed me on Twitter when I said, I like that. Uh, People just killed me. (laughs) That just got killed. You know, when you do the performances, last thing for you, and then we'll, we'll duck out of here. When you do these performances for the teams, do you, do you, I mean, people ask me this, but like, do you meet the athletes at all? Do you cross paths with the players at all? Or is it very like kind of compartmentalized and, you know, Uh. It's compartmentalized, but sometimes the players come out if they've heard of you and say, what's up? Or you're crossing each other's pads all the time. And it's obviously I'm not playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. So, so, you know, you, they ask questions. They don't think you're a Timberwolves, the new Timberwolves point guard. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's cool. And I it was so bummed because, you know, I was just about to break onto that national basketball circuit, like Red Panda or someone oh, like, Red, because I like love Red Panda, Red Panda is oh, amazing. But like, best. I was asked to go do like a halftime show for the Oklahoma city thunder. And I was like, just scheduling that. And then the pandemic started. So if you're listening, uh, NBA, I'm ready to get back on the circuit when you're ready to have me, because if I could just like, you know, gracefully age into being like a halftime performer i'd be super pumped with that and that like would be like that's a great second act for you I yeah like. state fairs and and halftimes like it's the thing that people like make fun of i think in like that think of like music careers and for me i'm like that is ideal i want to be <laughs> right? there fly Set, in put yeah. me in there i get to hang out at fairs and games all the time yeah, yeah. what could be better than uh, that get paid to be there sure let's do it <laughs> i love it let's let me let's uh let's give you one more chance to to plug this new music uh how can people get their hands on it and what's the uh what what are the some of the gritty details of it okay the new album is called roseville it's uh an 11 song kind of trip through my whatever 70s am gold is in my brain you can find it go to my website harmarsuperstar.com um You'll be able to, on March 5th, um, stream the whole album on Spotify, Apple Music, everything. Go to my Bandcamp and pre-order it to directly uh, benefit, like help me, or just go to my website and go to the web store and order some vinyl, which will come in May. You'll get a free download of the record. Um, Yeah, it's kind of just going to be everywhere you find where you stream records and all that stuff. And then you can order physical copies through my website or my Bandcamp. Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate having you on the on the show today. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Keep the, can keep this music trend going. I don't know who's going to be third, but uh, it's going to be hard to top the first two. John Tillman, <laughs> Harmar, superstar. Thanks so much, and have a have a great uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, man. Bye, Ran. Love talking to Harmar, and it sounds like they've uh, put together a listening party tonight for the release of that digital version of Roseville at appropriately enough the Harmar mall socially distanced uh in your car kind of thing check out his twitter feed for more information on that i would like to welcome in right now megan ryan our new twins uh beat writer at the star tribune megan has covered minnesota united soccer in the past and more recently was the beat writer for gophers football including uh, her very first year on the beat when the Gophers went 11-2 and two and uh, had probably their best season in, in a very, very long time. Megan, welcome, and uh, you know, congrats on the, uh, on, on, the, on the Twins beat. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I want to just talk a little bit, you know, for people who don't know Megan, who, you know, Twins fans who you know, maybe haven't followed your, your work as closely because you haven't done, you know, you've done a little bit of twin stuff in the past, but, you know, you haven't been the beat writer yet. You know, what what are you most excited about, I guess, about covering this team? And, you know, what about the things you've covered in the past will kind of inform how you want to cover this team? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm excited about for this. Some of them are like job specific and some of them are like, I guess, personal <laughs> specific to me. Um, I guess job wise, something that really excites me is that in normal times, I get that we're all living this whole like COVID Zoom press conference thing, but normally baseball has uh, the most access of any beat because you have the open clubhouse. Um, and because the nature of the beast is that they play every day, basically. Uh, and you're just kind of going into the ballpark, you know, to two o'clock for a seven o'clock game and you're hanging out in the clubhouse until about four or 5 p.m. And then you're, you know, going up and writing your notebook. So that's a lot of time that you kind of get to just hang around the players and the coaches and get to know people and kind of ch chat casually. And I think that that's an environment that I could really thrive in because I've always really prided myself on being somebody who gets these kinds of cool, niche, you know, interesting feature stories that nobody really, you know, thinks of or has otherwise. Um, that's really an exciting part for me to see, like, what can I do with an atmosphere like that? What kind of stories can I find? What kind of relationships can I build? Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I guess like, you know, personally, it's just the fact of I've, I've been really wanting and pursuing a, a pro beat for a really long time. Um, I know I'm pretty young in my career still. So there's probably some people out there that are like, it's not that long. But you know, for me, it just it's been something that I've, I've been kind of tracking the trajectory of my career and knowing my future goals that I have too. Um, and this is something that I felt like ready for the challenge and prepared for the challenge and wanting this challenge for a long time. And so it's really exciting to finally be at this moment um, and to be working with a team like Phil Miller, who I think is one of the best writers we have on staff. And then Chris Miller, our, our team leader, who's, um, you know, one of one of the best editors I feel like we've got too. So it's just a really exciting time for that part. And it's, you know, I also don't take lightly the fact that I am a woman and then the person of color. And so it's, it means a lot to me too, from that factor of just getting to be, uh, you know, a woman of color on a major beat at a major newspaper that, that says something. And I, I don't take that lightly. So there's a lot of things to be looking forward to with this. The 2019 Gophers covering that team in particular, people wanted to read about that team. They, they couldn't get enough. How are you able to give them what they what they wanted to read you know with with you know with the access you were given and, and tell those stories that people really wanted you know it's hard because it's it's sometimes I don't know if I like I would like to say a lot of it is like I'm just an excellent reporter I'm just really good at my job and so things come easily uh I wish I could say that uh but I think a lot of it is is intangible stuff you know some of it is things like I you know I put I you know I put in the work I try to for example, like for Gopher football, I didn't have to go to PJ Flex radio show every week. You had to dash from the Joe Sensors in Roseville back to campus for his press conference. And you had like, it was like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in between the end of his show and the start of the press conference. And he's got like his little van and, you know, SUV and they just pull it up and he jumps in and hops out. But I had to like get in my car and like mad dash too. So again, I didn't have to do that. Um, and nobody, no other beat reporter did. But I went to those every week because I felt like, you know, it was just good FaceTime. It was, it's, he saw that I was there. His, his wife, Heather saw that I was there. The PR guy saw that I was there. It's like, they know that you're making that extra effort to just show up at those things. So part of it is just like showing you care, showing you're invested. Um, I think the other part is just being somebody that people want to talk to, which is like a hard thing to like understand, I guess. But it's one of the things, it's a comment that I've gotten a couple times throughout my career from different people, which is really funny. It's like, 
And I think it's like the highest compliment in a way, but it's just so funny when they tell me, they'll be like, you know, you're just so normal. Like I just listened to you do interviews or like, you're just, you're just so normal. How can you be so like casual? And I'm like, I guess I'm just normal. I don't know. Like that's, <laughs> but that's part of it, right? Is you just have to like be conversational. You have to be somebody that people are comfortable around. You have to be somebody that people like want to talk to, want to spend time with, and then want to tell stories to. And I think that they're, you know, part of that's just your own personality. Part of that is acting skills. I grew up and I was really into acting and I wanted to be an actress for the longest time, but <laughs> that didn't happen. But now I use it when I interview. It's like I, I can kind of mold myself into what I think people are going to be most comfortable. Another part of that is empathy, which I think I have a lot of. It's like you, I can put myself in their shoes and, and say, okay, I can sense that they're a little, you know, uncomfortable. How do I make them more comfortable in this situation? And then you adjust by that. So some of it is, is doing that. Um, but I think some of it too is stuff that I can't really, I can't control at all. Like, you know, for, for that go for team in 2019, uh, I started off on the right foot, which was, I had had this idea for the Tyler Johnson, North Minneapolis story in my mind for a really long time before I was even on the beat or even knew I was going to be on the beat. Um, but that was always the first thing I wanted to do. And so I give a lot of credit to him for letting me, you know, I was, I had never met him, but I think I sat down with him once before to do some like one-off story in the 2018 season, but like, he didn't really know me that well. And, and he was the one who, you know, let me go see his family, go walk around North with him, meet some of his friends. Like, you know, I give him a lot of credit for, for trusting me when he didn't know me that well to do that story. And then I think that that went a lot, a long way because, you know, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but you know, obviously he was a big senior guy on that team. And I don't know if he was, he telling some of his teammates, yeah, you know, she's okay to talk to you. Like if she, you know, if you, if you, she'd ask to talk to you, you should do it. Cause she'll, she'll do a good job. Like maybe, maybe that was helping me. Um, and then not to like ring the diversity bell again, but I, I also think that these guys know, like I'm, I'm talking to, especially on that beat, it was a lot of uh, young black men, right. And they go to the press conferences and they look out at the crowd and they can see that, I'm the only woman there most of the time. I'm the only person of color there most of the time besides them. So they can look at that and see, you know, she's different. And she probably knows a little bit how this feels or how I feel, or she might understand what I'm trying to tell her a little bit more than somebody else. Um, so I think that was part of it too, is sometimes I would just sit down with these guys and not really have an agenda, but then all of a sudden, like they would just kind of open a vein for me. Um, and I think part of it was something that it wasn't just, it wasn't really me. It was just that they saw that there was something in me that maybe I would inherently understand them. So it's a, it's a lot of things that are kind of hard to explain, but you know, I guess it just comes with kind of experience and then just, you know, being who you are and, and having confidence in that and hoping that people respond to it. You know, specific to this team, how do you, what are you most looking forward to in terms of the coverage of this team? Uh, well, the good news is for Twins fans, for chances, I have a fairly good track record when it comes to like first seasons covering teams. You know, the first year I covered Gophers hockey back in 2014 at the Minnesota Daily was when they went all the way to the national championship and then lost pretty bad. But anyways, they, they went, they made it, they weren't supposed to. Um, yeah, I think my first, first season covering Robert Morris, catch that mid-major fever basketball. Yeah. Uh, that they went all the way to the, to the, NCAA tournament, which is big for a mid-major team. And yeah. they actually made it out of the first four and then got their, their butts kicked by Duke. But they got to play Duke in the, in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it could be worse. Um, I think like the, the year that I helped out on, on Stanley Cup stuff with the Penguins, one of my first times doing that, they won. 
the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. So, so you're saying, oh, there's and a, then and then 2019 with the Gophers. Yeah, you're saying there's a track record where maybe this team could actually win a playoff game, Megan. I'm I'm thinking maybe this okay. might be the end of the 18 year curse of the of the first wow. first round of the playoff losses. Um, what am I most excited about? I mean, just that, right? Like they're a really good team. That's it's all of the things that I said before about why I'm excited about this beat ring true, but it's especially exciting knowing that like there's readership for this team. There's excitement around this team. People are going to be invested. I'm excited to be a part of that. And I'm excited to hopefully lend a little more depth to it. Um, I know it's hard on the baseball beat because it's a grind TM. That's like the, the big <laughs> word around it. Um, but I, I really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm at my best when I can find those interesting feature stories or trend stories or whatnot. So I'm really hoping that I can get at the heart of that and show a little bit more about, you know, who are these, these baseball players. I always try to approach it like the, the humans that play sports instead of the sport with humans in it. Well, I'm looking forward to where you take this. You start uh, later this month. We'll look for your, your coverage and start Tribune, starttribune.com. Follow her, uh, the other Meg Ryan. Uh, Megan Ryan, thanks for joining me today on the Daily Delivery Podcast, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot down the road. Thank you for having me. Let's end today with the cooler, and we're kind of combining two elements right now. Uh, Shane says, I have a dumb question, kind of something we do around here. No dumb questions, Shane. Wants to know, what's the difference between a columnist and a beat writer? Very appropriate question for uh, the segment today after I talked to uh, talked to Megan Ryan about her promotion to beat writer and talked a couple days ago to Lavelle E. Neal III, who has been promoted to columnist. Biggest way I can say this quickly, uh, beat writer covers the team day in and day out. They don't really interject their opinion into their coverage. They are focused mainly on news, um, some analysis of the team, but they know everything that's happening with a particular team. A columnist kind of has free range to go between different sports. You might do some Twins, some Vikings, some Timberwolves. They might write on specific days, but they have much more license to interject their own opinion. Um, basically, biggest thing I could say is like, say uh, there was a coach that got fired. A columnist would write, you know, this was a good idea or this was a bad idea. A beat writer would write the facts of the story, what happened, a lot of the quotes, things of that nature. That will do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us all week on Daily Delivery. Join us next week, I believe on Monday. I am expecting to be talking to Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Uh, Just the beginning of what should be a very fun week on Daily Delivery. Thanks for listening all week, and we will catch you again on Monday. (laughs) 